Well, let's stand as we read from our text in the 11th Psalm, Psalm number 11. Shorter Psalm than some of the ones we've been going through. Don't know that my time frame will be any shorter, but um, Psalm number 11, beginning in verse number 1, in the Lord put I my trust. Is, is there anywhere else? Is there anywhere better? Is there any place safer? Is there any place more secure to put your trust than there? Do we ever put our trust in anything else? In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Back up to verse 16 from last week in Psalm 10. The Lord is king forever and ever. His eyes behold. Is there anything he doesn't see? Any place a man can be. What about them folks up there in the space station? Lord see them too? Yeah. How about them fellows down in them submarines in the bottom of the ocean? Yeah. He's there too. <laughs> There's not a place. How about the the fellow that's breaking the sound barrier, doing mock whatever? Um, the Lord's there. Uh, you've seen those bumper stickers before, haven't you? The silly ones that say, don't drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. How, how ignorant. Um, yeah. So, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous. There's, there's a reality. The Lord tries his people. The Lord tests his people. The Lord puts his people through trouble so that they can come back to verse number one and say, in the Lord put I my trust, right? The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. I think back again, he's angry with the wicked every day. We read verses like that and we begin to think about people that we know that don't know the Lord. Um, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Who's your portion? The Lord is my portion, right? Who's your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. Um, But it says here that This shall be the portion of their cup, fire, brimstone, a horrible tempest. Um, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. Well, those who are righteous do what? Righteousness. Yeah, they do righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Who's upright? Does that mean a perfect person? Go ahead, brother. Well, now man was created upright. Mm-hmm. He was created without sin. Right. <clears throat> he was created in the God. hmm We lost that image, but it's been restored in Christ. Yeah. So it, the upright are those who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And it says here that the Lord loveth righteousness. Well, guess what? His people love righteousness too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do we know that we know him? We, we keep his commandments, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different places that we could say different things, but we keep his commandments. We love to obey him. We love to serve him. We love his people. We, you know, we, we, we love his word. Um, this, this is a place that we love to be. You know, there's a lot of places that we have to be, that we're required to be, 
Um, this is a place that we love. Our soul loves to be. Um, so you think about that fire and brimstone and that we sing that, that psalm and talking about God's breath. Um, think about Sodom and Gomorrah just destroyed in a moment. Um, fire and brimstone rained down upon them. Um, well, the, the wicked in any age, the wicked in our day, uh, the, the, that day is going to come upon them, you know, suddenly, you know, like a, like a thief in the night. Uh, suddenly their, their end is going to come. Their destruction is going to come upon them. So, well, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we, we turn to the Lord in this, this psalm and, and see what the Lord has to say unto us. Um, Brother Bruce, would you pray for us? Amen. Amen. Be seated. You know, we often say as we stand up here that we've not come to hear a man speak, but we've come to hear from the Lord. Um, when you think about, you know, that, who was it? Agrippa, wasn't it? It's not the voice of a man, but of, of God, you know. Um, struck him at that moment. And I was thinking in, in those terms when Brother J.T. was speaking this morning about our president and what he's celebrating, um, you know, and, and uh, uh, Gay Pride, you know, month and, and um, you know, thinking about the foundations here, you know, being destroyed. What shall the righteous, you know, do? Well, I was taken once again back in my thoughts to Philippians 4, you know, here we're not being told what David's trouble is. Um, and this was even something, you know, we had the little gathering uh, at, at our house yesterday. And, and uh, there on the, on the wall in the kitchen, it says, rejoice. You know, and again, I say rejoice, but, but Philippians 4, you know, I can't help but think about that. But um, as I said yesterday, as we gathered together and we were there around the piano, <clears throat> everyone around us. I just I learned about a, a little more trouble that someone here in our midst is going through that I've not been aware of before. But I said something yesterday to the effect of there's things going on in each other's lives, even in a group as small as we are, that we don't even realize. Uh, we haven't shared everything, you know, with one another. Um, but, um, you know, we all appear to be in continual 
trouble of some sort, different varying degrees of things that we go through daily. But we see that with David, don't we, in the Psalms. He's always, it seems, in some sort uh, of trouble. Well, where does trouble come from? Well, we certainly could point to external you know, means, our own faults even, the hatred of the wicked that we see here in our text, the devil himself certainly, who's you know, roaming about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we know ultimately that just like the storm last night, that came, the Lord sent it, and the Lord was over it uh, the entire time. So ultimately we know that in all of these things that the Lord is, is over them, God is sovereign in them. Uh, these things would like nothing more, especially thinking in terms of the wicked and the devil, than to destroy us and do away with us. But you know, if that doesn't happen, it's because God has not permitted it. Um, you know, Job wasn't destroyed because God wouldn't permit it. You can do this, but you can't take his life is what God told Satan. Um, as the hymn writer says, on every hand the foe we find drawn up in dread array. Of course, in his day, that would have been an entire army, you know, on a mountainside with their banners, you know, flapping in the wind and dressed in, in all of their armor. Um, but, um, you know, we do see all around us trouble. Not a day that we don't seem to encounter some sort of trouble, some sort of temptation. doesn't matter whether we work in an office building full of hundreds of people or we stay at home. Uh, there's trouble. Um, troubles without, troubles within. Pick up your phone and hear. It's, in, it's funny to me in a way, brother, to hear you. Here you are in your 80s. I picked up my phone and I was reading the news, you know. Um, but... Um, you know, there's, there's trouble. You, know, you pick up your phone, there's trouble. Um, and aside from the devil, we have our own flesh to wrestle with, don't we? Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But the verse before that says, Walk in the spirit, right? And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So life is attended by many evils. It's all around us. But our desire, the Lord loves righteousness. That's our desire is to do righteously. Can I, can I glorify him in this? And I think about you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not use the word Daniel and say Danny. I think about you. Yeah, at your age, I remember being in high school and what that was like. And I know I've said that before, but can I do this? Here all these people are suggesting, let's go do this. You know, why don't we do that? Can I do this and glorify the Lord? Can I do this and honor Him? And we all have reason to ask ourselves that question, don't we? Not just the young people, but um, will God be pleased? Now, as an unconverted person, it's easy to say, my dad's not going to like this. But... As a Christian, will my heavenly Father be pleased you know, with this? But back to Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. No S. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Here we are, light. We're salt. You know, we're in this world. There's no moderation on their part. It's... it's Get all you can out of life, all the gusto you know, that there is. Live life to the fullest. Um, but here, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You know, for the most part, when I read Philippians 4 in this section, I'm thinking about rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I put the S on there for you there, Donnie. <clears throat> he saw it on our wall, and he told Teresa, he said, you left off the S. And she said, no. She went to the King James Version, and there it was, all way, not always. Um, but anyway, now a lot of times here lately, I think about this part. The Lord is at hand. That's the reason why we can rejoice, always. And again, I say rejoice, because the Lord is at hand. And because the Lord is at hand, I can let my 
prayer and supplication be made known, and I cannot, I can, don't be careful, be anxious about things. Why? Why should I not, the Lord is at hand, right? With thanksgiving, I can let my request be made known because the Lord is at hand. The peace of God keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because the Lord, you know, is at hand, right? So behind our being kept and the peace of God, which passes understanding and the reason for us not being anxious is the assurance that the Lord is at hand. If you find yourself standing against the crowd, the Lord is at hand. You're not there alone. You know, I think about Paul and, and the ship was about to be sunk. But he tells them, an angel of the Lord stood beside me and told me there'll be no loss of life. Yeah, the Lord is at hand. Uh, you think about the Lord coming to the disciples, walking upon the water. And there's this storm, you know, and he steps into the boat. And he says, peace be still. The Lord is at hand. You know, where's that peace and that stillness come from? The Lord being at hand. So we sang that hymn this morning, Abide With Me. What's that speaking of? The Lord being at hand, right? Abide with me. And David begins the psalm from this perspective. He can put his trust in the Lord because the Lord's at hand. He can put his trust in the Lord because the Lord is able. He can put his trust in the Lord because the Lord is sovereign. He can put his trust in the Lord because the Lord is omniscient. He knows all things. We, we read that in the psalms. He sees. He knows. There's not anything that escapes his notice. So he begins the psalm by saying, In the Lord put I my trust. This is the response of faith to fear. This is the response of faith to fear. In the Lord do I put my trust. Fear is going to come. You're not going to escape fear. Fear is going to try to grip you. There's, there's another place in the Psalms where it says, be not afraid of what? Sudden fear. You know that verse. Be not afraid of sudden fear. So fear's going to come, but here's the response to fear. In the Lord I put my trust. I'm not going to be anxious about that thing. I'm not going to fear that thing. In the Lord I put my trust because the next part of the verse, there seems to be those who were close to David who would have some sort of an influence upon him, some sort of sway that were saying, flee. Because he says, how, how is it that you say unto my soul, when I put my trust in the Lord, how is it that you say to my soul, flee as a bird to the mountain? Well, if I'm down here at the foot of a, of a mountain and the bird takes off and flies to the top of it, it's going to take me quite a while to, to catch up, you know, right? So flee, run. You know, that's what fear says, isn't it? Get out of here. There, there's, there's the flight, you know, or fight response, right? You got that adrenaline pumping. But run. That's, that's, what, that's what fear says. Get out of here. But the response of faith is, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? I mean, David had the whole army that he was, he was pursuing after those who had, who had stolen, who had smitten, you know, Ziklag and stolen their, their stuff and stolen their children and their, and their wives. You would think it would just be immediate. No question. We're going to pursue. We're going to get back our wives. We're going to get back our children. We're going to get back our stuff that was stolen from us. But what does David do? Because David puts his trust in the Lord, he says, Lord, shall we pursue? And the Lord says, pursue. And they did. And so he gets there under that mulberry tree. Lord, shall we attack? Not yet. But when you hear a rustling in that mulberry tree, then go up and I'll give you the victory. You know, why did David respond in those instances that way? Because in the Lord, he put his trust. Lord, what shall I do in this situation? There are some questions that people may ask you. and like, what, what do we do? And Well, you've you got to seek the Lord about that and see what he would have you to do in that situation. What he'd have you to do in that particular circumstance. So 
David, again, begins here with, in the Lord do I put my trust. You know, let's try to put a face on it. And, and this part is because I was listening to Alistair Begg this week, and this was the face that he put on it, um, David facing Goliath. Let me remind you some of the facts of Goliath as far as we know. He was somewhere in the range of 9 to 11 feet. I lean towards the 9. There's some that make a case, you know, for 11 feet. A helmet of brass, a coat of mail. Um, the coat of mail, you know, that, that chain, the linked together mail that they would wear. 157 pounds. You know, walking around in the 157 pounds of, of, of brass linked together right? A breastplate of brass, a staff like a weaver's beam, the spearhead itself weighing 18 pounds. You know, that's just the tip of the spear. That's not the entire, you know, spear, just the tip of the spear. What's the heaviest sledgehammer you've got, Andrew? Eight pounds. I've seen him have that against a wall that we're totally demolishing, and sometimes they enjoy that, uh, you know, (laughs) get to tear something up, you know. <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't matter what flies where and what gets destroyed. No, you just go ahead and just destroy it, you know. Um, but eight pounds, and I've seen the destruction that an eight-pound sledgehammer, you know, can do, but we're talking about an 18-pound tip to the end of a spear. So suffice it to say that everything that he was carrying weighed more than me, right? Um, I don't know. I haven't weighed myself lately. 210 to 220 is where I fluctuate, you know, from, you know, but weighed more than I do. Need more? I need to weigh more? <laughs> I weigh too much, according to the doctor, you know. Um, but, you know, you walk onto a battlefield, and you remember the instance, I mean, Goliath's coming out every day. Give me a man to fight with. And all the army of Israel you know, standing there, not one of them. They're all like, you go, I'm not going, you know, you go ahead. I'm I'm not stepping out there. You know, what was the response? Fear, flight. I mean, they were still standing on the battlefront, you know, but they weren't stepping on the battlefield. You know, they weren't going to go out there. Um, But here's David. You remember how he got there? His dad sent him, you know, with, with some provisions, you know, for his brothers. And he gets there and he's like, What's going on here? And his brothers are like, go home. You know, you don't even belong here. You just, you just came here just to see what was going on. You were, you were curious, and, and, and you wanted to come and see the battle. Go. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that withstands the armies of the living God? And eventually that news gets to Saul's ear, and David comes before Saul. And there were probably some of those people there who knew David's family, who knew David's brothers, and probably joined right in with David's brothers and said, David, go home. This is not a place for you. Go back to that mountainside that you've been tending your father's sheep. That's the place for you. That's where you belong. You have no business here whatsoever. And so David says, no, that mountain, when you remember he rehearsed before Saul, that was the place where there was the lion. That was the place where there was the bear. That was the place where I delivered the sheep out of both of their mouths, and this Philistine will be just like one of them. So Saul's like, okay, this kid's determined. Maybe, you know, he'll incite, you know, some courage in some of these men that are standing here but I'm going to put my armor on him. You know, I got to give him at least some protection. And David's walking around like, I can't, I can't go in this. You remember Saul's stature. He was, he was head and shoulders above the rest of the people. That's why they chose him for king. You know, he was impressive in his stature. I mean, here's the Goliath, you know, nine feet tall. Well, here's our Saul, you know, not quite as tall, but he's taller than the rest of us. He'll be our king, right? But David says, I can't go out in this. I haven't tested this. This hasn't been proven, you know, by me. I can't, I can't use this. I mean, it'd be like Daniel starts the football season, 
you know, later uh, in, in the school year. And uh, he's not, he can't wait. I can see him back there doing this. You know, that wasn't me. Um, I was not excited about football. But what if they were to give you, you know, uh, pants that were four times too big for you? You know, and, and, and give you shoulder pads that were the same and a helmet that, you know, you could spin it around, you know, uh, not look out, you know, the face mask. Um, you know, that's kind of the way David felt, you know, in all this stuff. He's like, I can't go out like this. I, I can't put my trust in those things, right? My trust is in the Lord. What, what has been proven is this staff that I'm carrying. What has been proven is this sling and the stones that, that, that I sling out of it. And so he goes out on the battlefield, trusting the Lord. Um, and not, he wasn't trusting in his staff. He wasn't trusting, you know, Goliath's looking at him and like, who are you? And who are you to come out against me with sticks and stones? Um, sticks and stones do break bones, right? Yeah. Because um, there, was, there was a stone that slew Goliath. And I can't imagine what Goliath's sword must have weighed. But David picks it up. He didn't bring one on the battlefield. And he takes Goliath's head off. And I just now remember that I did not send out the verses of Scripture. Because I had a picture that I was going to send with it. That's what made me think about it. And it was David holding Goliath's head. Um, But um, anyway, that mountainside that, that they wanted David to go back to was the very place that God had showed himself strong on David's behalf and the reason why David could step out onto the battlefield when all these men that were mightier than he I mean you you ever go and it's 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 an interesting read to go and read about David's mighty men there must have been some of those types of men you know there under Saul's command you know but men that would you know another one that, that slew Goliath's brother you know, and, and one that went down into a pit in the snow, you know, and, 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 he, and he slays this, uh, what was it, a leopard or a lion? Uh, one of the two, but, but um, you know, it, just to hear the, the account of these things, they're like, these are remarkable things. Or how about when David wanted a drink from the well at Bethlehem? And those men just heard David say that. David didn't tell them to go and do it, but they just knew our king wants a drink from that well. Guess what? Come on, guys. We're breaking through the ranks, and we're going to get a cup. You know, and David pours it out on the ground before the Lord. You know, um, These men hazarded their very lives for this. How could I even drink this water? It um, wasn't what they expected him to do with the cup. They expected him to drink it. Um, but he wanted to make sure that that wasn't something they intended to do in the future. That's, that's not what I was... I'm putting my trust in the Lord that he will give us that well again, not that you would break through the ranks and get me a cup of it, you know. Um, But David says, in the Lord, I do put my trust. How would we have responded, you know, had we have been David and witnessed that scene, you know, of Goliath? Um, How would we have responded if we had been David in the cave when Saul had come in to, to take a nap and there they were hidden and he did not know. Uh, and those men were like, here's your chance. Here's your chance to take his life and seize power and seize control and seize the throne. How would we have responded, you know, in that situation? It wasn't that David had never killed a man before. Um, you remember the dowry that he had to provide, you know, for Saul's daughter. A um, hundred foreskins of the Philistines, you know. Um, you know, this, this man was, was accustomed to, to battle. He was accustomed to bloodshed. Um, so taking Saul's life wouldn't have been, you know, something that he hadn't done before, and that's why he didn't do it. The reason why he didn't do it was because he, he, he knew that would displease the Lord. I'll not touch the Lord's anointed. I'll not do him harm. He, he even remember he was grieved by taking just the corner, you know, of Saul's uh, garment. Um, you know, that, that bothered David enough. Uh, but those men, like, here's your chance to flee all of this. All of this pursuit through the desert, you know, all this, this that we've been enduring, that we'd, be like, we'd like to be done with and be out of, you know, this place. Um, you know, but David says, no, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. 
I'm going to wait the Lord's time. The Lord will deal with Saul. The Lord will remove him. He sets up kings and he takes down kings, right? He will remove him you know, from that place. You know, how, about, how about when David is brought about to be the one who, who is going to, because the evil spirit that's come upon Saul, that he's going to be the one to play in Saul's presence when these fits come upon him? How would you respond when Saul picked up the spear and didn't mean to just scare you with it, intended to pin you to the wall with it? Um, you know, how would you respond? You know, David didn't immediately, um, you know, leave Saul's service. He might have left the room at that point, you know, wise thing to do. Um, but he didn't immediately leave Saul's service. Um, you know, Jonathan wasn't convinced at that point that, that, that Saul really wanted to kill David. But later on, he, he, he became convinced of that. And, you know, through what they had arranged and the arrow and all, you know, David knew, okay, and the Lord intends for, and I'm sure through much prayer, you know, David was, Lord, this is where you've put me. You know, this is the place that you've given me. Uh, I don't understand why Saul is just bent on my destruction. You know, would, would you cause there to be peace, you know, between us? I can, I can only imagine, you know, what, what David might have been praying in that. You know, Jonathan is, is I, I don't have a, a friend, is closer than a brother unto me. You know, I would like to stay in this place and continue to serve you here until the time that you would make me king. Um, but, you know, the Lord... Said no, it's time for you to 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 move on for a little while and to bring you back, you know. But but um, there were a lot of instances that we could could think about that somebody could say unto David, "Flee as a bird," you know, and David to say, "No, in the Lord I have put my trust." Um, you know, in in places where we see people not putting their trust in the Lord, not waiting upon Him, you have Abraham, you know, and Sarah getting an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. Um, you know, what can we produce? You know, we can't produce what God produces. You know, we're going to produce an Ishmael. And it's not the thing that God had promised. We're not going to be able to produce an Isaac. We're going to have to wait upon the Lord and trust in him. So do we find safety in fleeing? Um, well, if the Lord causes us to, you know, to, cause us to flee. I mean, you think about when Rome, you know, surrounded Jerusalem there in 8070 and they left a break in the ranks for any that would leave and there were those who knew when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the place that it ought not flee and they did they fled but here's the thing we flee to the lord we're, we're, lord where would you have me to be what would you have me to do yeah. yes <laughs> jonah fled and got swallowed by i don't think that was very pleasant uh, that place that jonah found himself you know um and then you can go read about that. Seaweed wrapped about his head, you know. Um, Joseph, yeah. Uh, trusted in the Lord. There, there's somebody that trusted the Lord. Uh, cast into a pit, sold into slavery, you know, found himself, you know, in a little bit better situation than back into prison again before he ever became second in command, you know, under, under Pharaoh. But told the children of Israel, in the Lord I put my trust. How can you say that? Because he told them, when the Lord delivers you from this place, carry my bones with you. You know, take me out of Egypt too. Uh, in the Lord I have put my trust. Well, we can't stop short of scenes like David and Goliath, you know, without seeing the chief glory that there is, you know, in those things. And that is our Lord and Savior, who is the fulfillment of those types that we see you know, in those places of David going out and slaying in Goliath, well, there was a much greater foe, you know, the, 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 the sin and, and, and death that there were, you know, upon us, that, that he, by going unto the cross, conquering hell, death, and the grave, um, those things that defied us, you know, uh, those things that were against us, just like Goliath was against uh, the armies of God. But, um, or, you know, we could look at it, I don't, I don't really think about it this way, but there are some who make a case that perhaps it was a sneer um, that, that they would say unto David, flee to the Lord in whom you put your trust. Because there's places, you know, where the, to the hills I lift my eyes. You know, my help comes from the Lord. You know, there would be those that would sneer and jeer 
David and say, well, you put your trust in the Lord, flee to him. Yeah. Either way, I tend what I spent the most part, uh, the larger part of the time already speaking to you, looking at it from the perspective, because David says, how do you say unto me? You know, there's a question, you know, there. Why would you say that unto me when I've put my trust in the Lord? In other words, saying unto him, flee, not flee to the Lord. That's what we ought to do, but flee, um, you know, from the situation. Um, verse number two says, they bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright uh, in heart. I thought about all the flexing that's going on, you know, in our day. Power, policy, laws, you know, here and there. Uh, they bend their bows against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder. Let us cast their cords you know, from us. And in that earlier psalm, what did we read? He who sits in the heavens shall what? Laugh. And what did we say that was? It would be kind of like when, you know, I, I told you there's 20 years between myself and my youngest brother. You know, here, me at, I got to make this somewhat, you know, realistic, but I guess me at 24 and him at four, or me at 25 and him at five, you know, coming up to me and saying, you know, this, and be like, you know, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, that's the sort of response that I think when we see the Lord sitting in the heavens shall laugh. He shall hold them in derision. Um, they face one mightier than Goliath. I mean, you think about the wicked shaking their fist in the face of God. Um, I mean, we're not talking about a nine-foot, you know, man walking around 157, you know, pounds of chain mail. We're talking about the true and living God. Um, you know, they're seeking to, it seems, destroy the very foundations. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, conditions are bad everywhere. And Cohen sent us out the, the notice last night, you know, keep your phones on alert. There's a bad storm, you know, coming through. Uh, conditions are bad everywhere. We see it all around. Um, it seems like the very foundations of justice and of, of truth are, are, are being, you know, destroyed. I mean, you think about, you know, Romans and the establishment, God's established authority, and, and uh, let's defund, you know, the police. Well, you know, we, we've uh, talked about that uh, before. But, um, you know, what are we going to do as the, as the foundations that, that we've come to know are being swept away, being undermined. Um, you know, we've, we've seen foundations before that have been undermined by, by uh, you know, waters, by floods, and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, what are, we, what are we going to do when the foundations of justice and truth uh, are being, it seems like, uh, removed, um, being broken up, when the church is being very severely persecuted? Well, Scripture says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Um, you know, consider all that the army of Israel, um, you know, they all failed in the face of Goliath except for David. Uh, well, here's, here's the, the enemy comes in like a flood, and God says, I'll raise a standard against it. And we read last week about wondering that there was not a man, but God provided one to stand right? The government shall be upon his shoulders. Uh, of the increase of that government, there shall be no end. You know, the foundations aren't going to be swept away and destroyed. It may look like it. We can go back to the psalm last week, you know, and, and what was David, you know, saying there in, in, uh, in Psalm 10, why do you stand so far off, Lord? Why are you hiding yourself in time of trouble? Uh, it, it appears that way. Uh, the gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail. I mean, the devil, the devil made an early, you know, charge there in the garden to destroy it all. Um, but there was a promise given, you know, there in the very early parts of Genesis, that that there would be, you know, one born who would his heel would be bruised, but he would crush the serpent's head. Right? There would be victory. So it may appear like the foundations are being removed, but our rock is Christ. That's our foundation. Our foundation is Christ. His rule and reign, as we said, will never end. This whole flee to the mountains thing, is it something that's being thought of in our day? 
Donnie was just telling me yesterday about somebody that, that they encountered who has made his own, what was it, uh, uh, a refinery, I guess, of sorts. I mean, he goes to these places that change oil, and he gets the, the, the spent oil, the, the, the used oil, and brings it back to his homemade refinery that Donnie says looks something like he saw a picture of a distillery, you know, and he makes his own fuel, you know, from it. Uh, there's a lot of that sort of thing. We heard about somebody not long ago that they had an underground bunker and there was a, the full medical facilities, you know, were there. I mean, they've, they've got a, a hospital underground along with all the food and everything in the, in the bunker. I mean, that's, that's all the mentality, you know, of, of, of flee. You know, why are, why are they doing the things that they're doing? Well, it, it, there's, there's a fear response. Well, how do we, how do we answer that? And, and have we had those sort of thoughts? And is, is there anything wrong with making preparations? You know, if we see, I mean, if a hurricane's coming, you know, we want to make preparations. I mean, if you live on the coast, they're going to put plywood over the windows, you know, and try to protect things if you can. Though my dad's told me about, you know, hurricanes that he's seen in Florida adjusting, you know, down there for insurance companies. And, and when, those, when those floodwaters, you know, come in, when, the, when that water comes in from the ocean, he, he said four or five feet of sand inside of a house was nothing. You know, the ones that are right there, you know, close to the water's edge, the ocean's edge. But... Um, you know, what is, there's nothing necessarily wrong with us. You know, we've, we've, we've planted a garden. You know, the thing that I hated to do when I was a kid in the summer and come up here and work in the garden, you know, I hated that. Um, it was kind of fun to, to shell the peas with the pea sheller that, that we had because it was, you know, belt-driven and had these rollers. And, of course, I was constantly being told, watch for your fingers. You know, I guess they felt like I was going to... My grandpa's thumb was so big, there was no way those rollers were going to be able to catch it and take it through. Um, but, um, you know, I didn't like, but I, now I'm having to, you know, we're having to learn, you know, how to do some of those things. We, we planted a whole bunch of corn in the fenced in, the high fence area. We planted a bunch of corn. None of it came up. They threw some corn, you know, over the fence, you know, in another part that's not even surrounded or protected by anything. And it's all come up, you know, it's, it's already six, seven, eight feet tall, you know, um, only thing I can figure is the crows came in and, and got all the seed out of the garden. And over there, there was, I don't know, they'd, maybe they didn't like the cow manure that was over there because that's where the cows used to, used to stand. Uh, you know, and my cousin had a bunch of cattle over there. But, but um, you know, what's, what's our answer to that? What are we told to do? Get you a, a, a missile silo and convert it into, no. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these other things. Because we can plant that garden and it could fail. You know, we, we could drill the well and it could dry up. We, we could do all these sorts of things and, and uh, you know, it, 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 none of it works uh, like we thought it was going to. None of our, our, our preparations, you know, have, have brought forth any fruit. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. You remember I told you about the story uh, about my cousin who was lost in the jungle. And at one point, they, they, they were, they, they, they were, you know, there was no more holes in the belt. They were out there so long um, that they were tightening their belts to keep their pants on, you know. Um, but they found a five-gallon bucket. I mean, there was, there was no civilization anywhere around them. Found a five-gallon bucket of sugar. Behind a tree, sealed. Now, where that came from, I, I don't. How it how it initially got there, I don't know, but God left it there for them, you know. And and they were eventually they were rescued. Um, it's it's a pretty incredible story. I think I sent it out, and some of you listened to it probably. But but because um, he was somewhere, and the church that he was going to at the time, they recorded when somebody asked him, "Tell us the story," you know. So. Regardless of the source of the suggestion to flee, David says, almost in a sense, how dare you? You know, say that unto me. Um, you know, we, we've got to distinguish between, is this fear telling me to flee? You know, is this fear telling me to do this or to do that? Or is this, is this of the Lord? Is this something the Lord would have me, you know, to do? Is this pleasing under the Lord? Or is this all out of fear and this is not pleasing under the Lord, you know? Um, 
It's almost like David says, how dare you make such a suggestion unto me? In the Lord I put my trust. But these foundations uh, being destroyed. Well, think about uh, 2 Timothy 2.19. Somebody turn over there. Whoever gets there first, read that for us. 2 Timothy 2.19. Try to wake you up a little bit. If you're sleepy. may not be. So the foundation, is it in danger? Is it in danger of crumbling? No, it, it stands sure. It stands sure. But did, did David have a good place to stand? In the Lord I've put my trust. He, he was standing upon a solid rock, right? Um, uh, had, had David been delivered by the Lord before? Yes. Did David have reason to trust in the Lord now? Yes. Uh, surely he did. Um, but the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows the trouble that David's in. Before David ever got there. You know, the Lord already knew it. He'd already, he'd already intended to send it to David's you know, doorstep. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we see here in our text, the Lord's in his, in his holy temple. The Lord's observing. His eyelids are trying. You know, the children of men. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes are beholding. Yeah, David, where you are is verse number five of our psalm the Lord tries the righteous he does that but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hates upon the wicked he's going to rain down fire and brimstone but the righteous Lord loveth righteousness who are we the righteous compared to the unrighteous we're the righteous who's the Lord love who's going to separate us right what shall separate us the Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord's over the righteous. The Lord sees and knows all there is to know about the righteous. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. We have, we're, we have the Lord's favor. They have the Lord's anger. Right? They have the Lord's anger. So in the midst of severe trials and testings, when we are discouraged and threatened on every side and our faith begins to waver, here's where we go. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. We declare Him to be our trust, Him to be our deliverer, Him who has not failed us in the past and will not fail us in the future. But new situations, new circumstances New experiences bring new predicaments and new fears. And we're going to have to fight this battle over and over and over and over again. Is God able in all these things? Will God preserve and keep us through these trials? I mean, the answer is yes. But when you get into the middle of it, you know, is that going to be the response that we're going to have? Does God yet know my circumstance, God yet care for me in this too, in this circumstance too? Well, that's just unbelief, isn't it? Assaulting our minds. It's unbelief assaulting our minds. That's, a lot of the battle happens up here, doesn't it? You know, um, yeah, it is. Um, displeasing to the Lord, you know, that is when we do that. Um, the heart wants to panic. The heart wants to flee. Let me get out of here. And, but we need to remember, the Lord is at hand. And this that we're going through, even now, the Lord is trying us. And this thing will build upon the next thing, prepare us for the next thing, and prepare us for the next thing, just like David with the bear and the lion, and then Goliath. Um, you know, David wasn't ready for Goliath until he faced the lion and he faced the bear. But having faced the lion and the bear... He knew I wasn't stronger than that bear. I wasn't stronger than that lion. The Lord delivered, you know, that sheep into my hand from, you know, a foe that was greater than me. And this, you know, Philistine, nine feet tall. And you know, if you look at the Guinness Book of World Records and you start looking at people that are the tallest people, quote unquote, they're these bean poles. Uh, I don't think Goliath was that walking around in 157, you know, 
pounds of chain mail plus all of his other armor that he had upon him, you know, that would weigh more than, you know, than me. Uh, most of those people, it's because of some kind of gland, you, if you listen to the doctors, that caused their, their bodies to grow, you know, quickly and more than the body was ready to do. And so they're having to walk around with a cane. Um, well, if that's the sort of picture, you know, that Goliath was, why would Israel have been, <laughs> you go out there, I'm not going to, Danny, you know. <laughs> You know, you're a little quicker than I am. You might have a chance. I don't, I don't have a chance. Um, so, yeah, go get a tank. Yeah. But God does try the righteous, doesn't he? He chastens his own. If we're without chastisement, we don't belong to him. But he will put his gold into the crucible, and he will purify it. Um, the dross of worldliness and sin will be purged. I mean, Job says something like that, doesn't he? About being tried and coming forth as gold, you know. Um, so let us remember that we, in experiencing these trials, the Lord's with us. Uh, we don't go through things that are uncommon, you know, that other men go through similar things that we go through. But the Lord's not with them. The Lord's not with them. Wicked men, the Lord's not with them. You know, the suffering of the righteous is for their benefit. You know, we've already mentioned the lion, the bear, preparing David for, and God getting glory. I mean, here's, here's a boy who was not enlisted in service who comes out to the battlefield and goes into the fleet's Goliath with a sling and stone. All these other men, armor, swords, spears, shields. Who got the glory in that match? God did. Yeah, God did. So, and people are observing, aren't they? They're watching us as we go through these things. It is for our benefit, for God's glory. But they have no hope in their suffering. They're looking at you. Like, where is this hope coming from? And we have, we, we have a, an opportunity to give, give an answer of the reason of the hope, you know, that lies within us, right? So there's no hope in their suffering. That's sad, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're suffering and they have nothing to hope in. They have nothing to hope in. He that justifies and counts us righteous for Christ's sake will carry us through. He loves the righteous. Everything that he's doing is for your good. We may not be able... Uh, Mom and I were talking about that a while ago back there in the kitchen. We, we can't see it sometimes. It's just, it's, it's, it's just unobservable to us how this could be for our good. But faith says no. You know, fear says how can this be for my good? But faith says no. God's word says he causes all things to work together for good. Whether you never see it in this lifetime, faith believes God's intended this, purposed this, brought this for my good, for his glory. He's sufficient, we are not. He's omniscient, we are not. He knows best, we do not. God is sovereign, he's unlimited, we are not. We are limited and weak. And it is in our extremity, and you've heard this said before, man's extremity is what? God's opportunity. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. Here we are weak. Here God shows himself mighty on our behalf. So he tries the righteous. Some people would suggest that a victorious Christian life means the absence of trials and troubles. There are those in our day. How that got its start, I do not know. But it is very popular in our day that if we are really men and women of faith, then trials will be not the norm. They will be very uncommon in our lives. Yeah, to draw in the masses. Show me, all right. <laughs> but Peter tells us different, doesn't he? First Peter 4, verse 12, Beloved, think it not, what? Strange. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Where did this come from? God sent it. Why is this here? God has a purpose in it. 
How am I going to get out of this? God's going to deliver you. In the Lord put I my trust, right? For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin first at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? What shall the end of them be? The prosperity gospel? False. Right? Health, wealth, riches, being proof of faith? False. False. Mm -hmm. Not holding fast through the storms of life, the trials and tribulations that God has said we will endure. They, They reject that in its entirety. That's not a part of faith. If you really got faith, those things aren't going to be a reality for you. But as one man said, the strength of the vessel can be demonstrated only by the hurricane, by the storm that tries the vessel. That's where the strength of the vessel is shown. You know. Yeah, after you know, right. Yeah. And the Lord said something like that to the disciples, didn't he? You don't understand what I'm doing now. But, but you will, you know, later. Uh, and I think that's true in a lot of senses. We know that was the foot, you know, when, they're washing, when the Lord was washing their feet, you know. But, but um, he says that the power of the gospel can be fully shown only when the Christian is subjected to some fiery trial. That's true. That's true. Here's that passage. I knew, I knew I'd written it down in Job. Job 23.10, but he knoweth the way that I take. The Lord knows. When he hath tried me, which is what we've been talking about, right? I shall come forth as gold. I shall come forth as gold. Spurgeon said this, not necessarily in the little books that you have, but he said, the one who would glorify his God must be prepared to meet with many trials. The God who has been sufficient until now should be trusted to the end. Another person said, everything I have learned, it seems, has been through affliction. Now, can't we say that? God has taught us through these things. And if we seek to avoid trial, if we seek to avoid trouble, if that's our goal in life, and it's easy for the flesh to want to do, Right? <laughs> I don't want that. I would never have chosen that for myself. You know. But if we seek to avoid those things, then we may very well be avoiding blessing. Right? I mean, if it's through these things the Lord teaches us, if we try to avoid these things, we're avoiding blessing, really. But David says here in the Lord, I put my trust. He tries the righteous, but on the wicked he'll rain down fire and brimstone. Be thankful you're not on the receiving end of that. But instead, you're on the receiving end of blessing through trials. God bringing good out of situations that you look at and think there's no way any good can come out of this. So our relationship with the Lord is one of the best guards that we have against descending into crippling anxiety. Anxiety overwhelming us. Be anxious for nothing. Trust in the Lord. Psalm 16 verse 1 says, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. You think about David having been a shepherd. You know, we kind of started there in a sense, right? He came from those hills to the battlefield. You think about him being a shepherd and having delivered a lamb out of the lion, out of the bear's mouth. And then him getting to Psalm 23 and fitting with what we're talking about here in the Lord, I put my trust in him saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Just like David delivered those sheep, the Lord is my shepherd. He'll deliver me from all of these things. So, well... Like I said, here we are, eight, seven verses. What any shorter was it? But I know Cohen's thinking, well, you didn't take and do the last 13 verses, you know, in a split second. Because <laughs> um, there were only seven. And we could bring, we could draw more, 
you know, out of there. I know. But these were the things, you know, Aunt Anna walked in this morning and sat down because she was riding with me in my study, and I had, you know, here on this pane, you know, some notes, and this pane over here, and I told her, I said, that over there? I said, that's all week long, you know, thinking, and there's things that thoughts are continually going into those notes. Because I can talk into my phone as I'm driving down the road, and it puts it into my note program, you know. Um, but a lot of that doesn't make it, you know. It, it's kind of like when they make a movie, and there's things that end up on the cutting room floor and never make it into the movie, you know. Um, but so these, these are the thoughts that, that um, and hopefully there were some things there. You're reminded of some things. And a lot of times it's not like we haven't heard these things before, but being reminded uh, of them. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to me, flee? I'm going to make my stand right here in him. Because they were telling David, you can't go out there against Goliath. Run, run. 